We're beginning the second reflection of our retreat, and we enter the reflections on silence. So again, we're focused on listening, receiving, responding. These next four reflections with one in between of Maku's testimony are focused on the 12 types of silence, their degrees of purification, their degrees of growth and holiness. And we begin with the outer and go deeper. In Psalm 95, verse 7, it says, Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. In Matthew 17, 5, God the Father says, This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Again, the beginning step of true silence is learning to listen. Learning to listen to the voice of God that speaks to us continuously through scripture, through nature, interiorly, and through the voices of others, God is speaking. Jesus said to us, March 1st, 2022, I promise you, my little one, if you remain attentive in prayer, obedient to my voice guiding you, and the few little souls also listening to my voice, you will remain faithful when the tribulation knocks at your door. Catherine Doherty explain this point. She said, silence is sometimes the absence of speech, but it is always the act of listening. The mere absence of noise is not silence. Yet a day filled with noise and voices can be a day of silence if the noises become for us the echo of the presence of God, if the voices are for us messages and solicitations of God, end of quote. The Lord said to us in 2010, silence is not necessarily not talking. I spent my days on earth preaching, teaching, and conversing with my friends and community. Holy silence is not simply a negation of sound or of activity. It is not a mere absence. On the contrary, silence is a positive reality 
that nurtures our souls. It protects the divine life within us and allows it to mature. A person that is constantly speaking is a person that lacks deep spiritual maturity interiorly. I'd like to begin with Our Lady of Silence. On April of 2022, Mary spoke in my heart regarding the meaning of the icon. She said, I am covered in the blood of my son, representing that his blood is my redemption. Now I am clothed in his precious blood, representing my heart as his living chalice filled with his blood, his life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am one with love crucified. As one with Christ crucified with the Holy Spirit, I am one in the life of the Most Holy Trinity. In this union with God Trinity, I lived on earth in silence and stillness of heart. I lived in continuous praise of God through good times and difficult times. The green represents I am the mother of all on earth as the mother of God. Green represents new life on earth. Through me, with me, and in me, I give you new life in Christ, my son. To live in the refuge of my immaculate heart is to live being cleansed with the blood of Christ, emptied of self, to also become with me his living chalice of his most precious blood, one with my son crucified, bringing new life to countless souls in silence and prayer. The brilliant gold around me represents the light of God. Through me, with me, and in me, as you live the simple path to union with God, Trinity, you become the light of God on earth. In this icon is contained the entire path to union with God. End of message. My sisters, on June 2nd, 2012, a first Saturday, Mary visited us, the Mothers of the Cross. The Mothers of the Cross were praying the rosary. And I saw Mary come interiorly in my heart. In her hand, she held a crown of thorns. I saw in the crown of thorn, the two hearts representing 
that the crown of thorns that Jesus wore on his head exteriorly was the same crown of thorns Mary wore in her heart mystically. I saw myself standing next to Mary, holding with my two hands the crown of thorns. I saw all the mothers of the cross kneeling as they prayed the rosary, wearing white veils and white gowns. I felt Mary wanted to place the crown of thorns on each mother's head. But as we began walking towards the mother's, Mary hesitated, and I asked her, Mother, what is wrong? Mary explained that each mother needed to receive the crown by giving their fiat. I said to Mary, but each of these women have already given their fiat. We've made our covenant. And at that moment, Mary gave me the understanding that the fiat must be lived in every moment of our lives, in every trial, every suffering, every hardship. She will not bless us with each thorn if we do not receive it. But Mary came to each mother one by one, and placed the crown of thorns on us. And then I began to see all of us dripping in blood. Our white gowns became more and more red. And the beauty I'll never forget. When I saw all of you that Saturday, that interior image God gave me, I was in awe. You were beyond anything of beauty I can describe on earth. The Lord permitted me to see this interiorly, and our Blessed Mother granted us this grace to solidify who we are. This is why she comes to us as the mother of silence, clothed, covered, wearing the blood of Christ, her beloved son and spouse. On September 11th, 2023, not too long ago, Our mother of silence speaks to the mothers of the cross as I contemplated the icon of Our Lady of Silence. She said, through this icon, I desire to draw you into my heart so that you begin to live in me, immersed with me in the Holy Spirit. This is my desire for the mothers of the cross. To enter and live in my cloister, which is my heart, as my maidens. I live in the presence of our Father, 
united as one heart to my son and consumed totally in the Holy Spirit, my spouse. As my maidens of my cloister, you approach the throne of Abba with me and in me. Thus your prayers being one with me, are blessed abundantly by the Father. He hears the cry of the poor. Mary explained to me, the Holy Spirit infused in your being as you walked in prayer to Mass the knowledge of the multitude of souls that God's little mustard seed is saving and helping to redeem. This multitude of souls will grow beyond measure as you enter my cloister and live your lives on earth as one with me. End of message. What is silence? Jesus explained to us there are cloistered souls who practice silence but are not silent because interiorly they are distracted, anxious, and chattering. That is us also. Part of the growth in silence is the silencing of these distractions fears, anxieties, and interior chattering. Silence is your soul in communion with God. Silence is the embrace of love between a soul and God. In 2011, the Lord continued to explain silence. So you see, my sisters, the virtue of silence has been with us from the beginning. And now Our Lady is calling us to a deeper union with God in her cloister, a union that can only be lived by the women and men who live through silence. In 2011, the Lord explained Silence is the realm of God. Silence is a state of being in union with God. Silence is as if ascending a ladder. You must begin on the lower steps to reach the highest. A human soul must begin to enter silence through the mortification of the tongue, thoughts, an interior noise. Daily periods of silent prayer help the soul come to know silence. The beginning steps of entering and living in silence are the most difficult and tedious. If a soul perseveres in mortifying her senses, the Father will bless her with experiences of coming in contact with the divine. He goes on to say, 
with her assent, through the abandonment of her will, the life of the spirit is strengthening in her. But it is in the fire of my sacred heart that you come to know personally the Holy Spirit. It is now that you have ascended into the silence of the Trinity. In the Holy Spirit, you possess me and the Father as one. The Spirit now lives in you and you in him. You are one. This divine dimension is silence. When you enter this divine union in silence, the soul, listen carefully, my sisters, the soul must be careful to nurture it. Careless speech and careless activity can bring the soul out of this divine dimension of silence. And then at the end, he says, protect and nurture this life in the interior silence of continuous prayer of love, praise, and thanksgiving. End of message. So let us begin with the silence of speech. He gave us the image of climbing a ladder. We have to start at the bottom. So that's why we have to start to mortify our senses. And then we climb. The Lord brought us to the foot of the cross to begin that work. So this is how he taught us from 2012 to make us attentive to our faculties as a means to a deeper contact and attentiveness to our hearts, he said. Tenderness is the virtue in which the love in your heart is manifested through your faculties of touch, sight, and speech. God is love. Therefore, here on earth, my love was experienced by many through the touch of my hands, through the gaze of my eyes, and through my words. I am a living torrent of grace, which is the love of God flowing through me. When you come to possess me through the power of the Holy Spirit, my love flows through you. You become my living vessel. You become my hands. You become my gaze. You speak my words. This is what it means to be my living chalices and living hosts. My sisters, this is our Blessed Mother. This is what she is explaining to us when she speaks to us of this icon. There wasn't a word. There wasn't a gaze. There wasn't an act in Mary that was not in total union with God. So the Lord continues to tell us, this love is manifested concretely, tangibly through your tenderness. By being attentive to how you use your hands, 
or fail to use your hands. How you gaze at others and the words that flow from your lips, you will come to know the sin that remains in your hearts. My mother is forming each of you to be my living chalices. So from 2012, Jesus and Mary were already forming the mothers and missionaries of the cross to become living chalices through the silence, through the attentiveness of how we use all our senses and faculties. Words can edify, encourage, and empower. They can serve to unite and create a community of love in the eternal love of the word. Our words are among our greatest talents. Invested correctly, they yield eternal riches. But when our words are not united with Jesus Christ, the incarnate word, when our words are divorced from him, they are exposed to the influence of the diabolic. The enemy is the one who tears apart, who rips asunder. Words of unconstructive criticism, insults, which are meant to cut down and humiliate, lies, which mislead, separating us or others from our eternal goal, are abuses of speech for which we will have to render accounts. Christ warned his disciples, Matthew 12, 36 to 37, I tell you, on the day of judgment, you will have to give account for every careless word you utter. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. End of quote. Silence of speech is essential for deep spiritual growth. In a certain way, the soul is dissipated by excessive speech, especially idle talk. Nothing of great depth can grow in our souls if we speak too much. We have to be very careful with idle talk. How difficult that can be for us. Jesus said to St. Faustina, There are souls with whom I can do nothing. They are souls that are continuously observing others but know nothing of what is going on within their own selves. They talk about others continually, even during times of grand silence. Now, Jesus is speaking to her about the nuns, (laughs) (laughs) which is reserved for speaking only with me. Poor souls, they do not hear my words. Their interior remains empty. They do not look for me within their own hearts, but in idle talk where I am never to be found. 
So what are we to do? We are called to speak little amongst each other and speak much with God. Giving praise to God is the perfection of the gift of speech. There is no higher use of speech than to proclaim the truth of God's supreme holiness. We need to grow in the habit of continuously speaking to God. There is the exterior speech. And there's the interior speech. I'm sure I'm not the only one that finds myself talking to myself. (laughs) Or having a conversation with someone else inside, in my imagination, inside of what I'm going to say. That is idle speech. That is not silence. When we catch ourselves going there, we need to stop it. We need to stop that interior talk and start speaking to the Lord. We need to start talking continuously to him, praising him, blessing him, asking him for what we need. If we're going over interiorly a difficult situation of what we're going to do and how we're going to handle this, Instead of speaking to ourselves or what we're going to say to the other person, turn that entire discourse to God. Speak to him about it. That is holy silence. At the end of a teaching the Lord gave us on what is prayer, he said, the prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving should be your every breath. That has to be our speech. Gratitude and thanksgiving should be our every breath. That's what we need to practice, to grow in holy silence. So now I'm going to go to the next silence, the silence of the body. In Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, St. Paul writes, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God In your body. Powerful words, my sister. Because our nature is a substantial union of body and soul, our internal state is linked with our external behavior. That is why our Lord taught us to look at our exterior to come to know our interior so that as we are purified, our interior is then revealed through our exterior. The more God is within us, 
The more we grow in holy silence, which is union with God, the more our words will be holy. The more our gaze will be the gaze of Jesus. Therefore, it's a constant purification of our exterior to see what still has to be purified in our interior. It's a growth of life. So let's go to the rhythm of a healthy life. Page five. The rhythm of a healthy life in Christ is completely removed from the frenetic rush and bustle of the world. (laughs) How hard, especially for all of us, that can be sometimes with families, lots of children, busy work. But we have to be very careful. There's a holy rhythm, even in when there's a lot to do. And there is a frantic rhythm. A holy rhythm keeps us in peace. A frantic rhythm, you feel it. We lose our peace. We have to be attentive to our bodies. We know the difference. And when we feel that frantic life, we know, wait, something's wrong. I need to slow down. The Lord said to us on February 12, 2021, my heart is sorrowful at seeing the condition of the hearts of our people. My daughter, I give every soul countless opportunities to turn their gaze toward me. Yet in their busyness, they don't stop to look. Wow. Think about this, my sisters. Every day, the Lord is giving us countless opportunities to see him. And if we're so busy and just consumed in ourselves, we don't see him. We miss him. He is to be found in the stillness of the bridal chamber of our souls. Therefore, we must avoid the haste that leaves God and our holy guardian angels behind. The third part, the silence of the senses, the eyes, the custody of the eyes. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. The eyes. On August 4th, 2018, again, in a Mother of the Cross Seneca, Zilkia had brought the Trinitarian statue of Jesus' hands bound. And the Lord spoke to us and said, I need you. I need each of you to bring my tenderness and mercy to the world. He had explained to us in 2012 that the tenderness and mercy is given through our eyes, 
through our words, through our touch. I know that I can be a quiet person, but my gaze can be penetrating (laughs) and not in a good way. (laughs) And my children, my husband, just the look, you know, the look. (laughs) And, And that has to be purified in me because that gaze is speaking of an anger, of a frustration that's in my heart. So the Lord says, it is love manifested through the tenderness of God that has the power to touch the hardened hearts of many souls. Now think of your families. Think of your families. My little ones, learn from Mary, the mother of God and your mother. Her tenderness is manifested in her silence as the love and mercy of God radiate from her gaze. Mary doesn't have to speak. She looks and we're filled with the love of God and his tenderness. Her gaze. Her gaze is the gaze of God. And her gaze has the power to penetrate the darkness of Satan. God is forming us to be warriors, to fight the great battle against the forces of darkness. And he's forming us in a total different way that goes against our human nature. We as women sometimes can be of too many words. Again, we want to insist and not assist. Mary penetrates the darkness of Satan in her silence and through her gaze. One look at our husbands, at our children, at the most difficult person to love, with the, the gaze of God in tenderness and mercy as Jesus Christ looked at all of us from the cross. He did not look at one person, including those that were killing him. The man next to him that was mocking him. The Pharisees that were hurting him. He did not gaze at one person with revenge, with anger, with frustration. He gazed at everyone, including each of us, with tenderness and mercy. God the Father desires that each of you become the gaze of Mary upon the earth. I ask the Lord, how, my Lord, do we become Mary's gaze? He tells us. By learning to live my tenderness through silence. My little ones, the eyes are the window of the heart. And it is I who dwell in your hearts. You must believe that through your fiats to be my victim souls, I have taken my abode in your hearts. Allow my merciful love to radiate through your gaze, through the power of silence. The power of God radiated through Mary, through the power of her silence. 
Remember what I taught you about silence. Allow my merciful love to radiate through your gaze through the power of silence. What does this mean, my sisters? Silence brings us attentive to the darkness that remains in each of our hearts. The more I am aware of any darkness inside of me, the moment I am aware of any resentment, the moment I am aware of any frustration, the moment I am aware of any agitation, I need to immediately give it to the Lord. My Lord, take this. Take this agitation. Enter the silence. Process in prayer immediately, if we can. What's going on in our hearts? Give it to the Lord and beg him, my Lord. Fill those spaces with your blood, with your life, with your love. That practice is holy silence, purifying us more and more so that we become more and more one with Mary. This is the work of the maidens, the work of the mothers of the cross. Saint Jose Maria Escriva wrote, The eyes, through them, much wickedness enters into the soul. How many experiences like David's? If you guard your eyes, you'll be assured of guarding your heart. Therefore, we've got to be careful not only how we see, but what we see. What do we look at? In a world that's so seductive, we have to be so careful. Everything we look at enters our hearts, and it either blesses or contaminates. But it does something. Nothing that enters the heart is left without having an effect in our heart and soul. So we have to be careful to watch anything that's seductive, contrary to chastity. There is a lot going on. I know it used to call the novelas, the soap operas, but now I think they're series of all kinds of things, all these series. And I'm telling you, my sisters, if we're true mothers of the cross, could you see Mary sitting down and watching television? Just ask yourselves, because this is our icon. This is who we're modeling our lives to be holy women. So we have got to be very careful what we watch, including violence. Violence has an effect on our hearts and souls. What do we do if we're married and we have men that love violent movies? I don't know. I'm married. My husband's a great man, but he likes violent movies. <laughs> I don't watch them with him. We've been married 45 years and I can tell my husband, sweetheart, I can't watch that. And, and, and it's so beautiful because at this point in our marriage, he knows what I will watch and what I won't watch. So he watches his things and I don't tell him, don't watch that. That's not good for you. I don't insist, right? He watches whatever he wants. He's a grown man. But I'm also a grown woman. 
And I can choose what I watch or I don't watch. And I know what the Lord wants me to see. And it's not that, so I don't. Yet, Friday nights is date night with my hubby. And we got so tired of trying. It would take us an hour to find a movie that Lord is <laughs> would like <laughs> through Netflix or these things. My husband ordered on our television Pure Flicks. <laughs> and in Pure Flicks, they're all pure. And they're kind of corny sometimes, or they're really good. But he knows, and he sits down and enjoys the corny movies with me. And this is our date night. We have to give ourselves the dignity of womanhood, of holy womanhood that God wants us to have. And when we do that, we bless our men and we bless our children, even if they're not following. But you know what? Just the fact that they're seeing us is a blessing in that family. So, so much for that. My sisters, a great evil of our times with the eyes, pornography. It can be in our families. It can be in husbands. It can be in our children, fathers, grandfathers, women, men. It has spread all over. It's in the church. It's in our priests. It's in our seminarians. Many are addicted to pornography. It is extremely difficult. Be careful. And if anyone in your home is addicted to pornography, including husbands, we have to be victim souls for them. We This is a battle with evil. This is satanic. And therefore, we have to be extremely careful. So... Psalm 123, verse 2, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord. We are God's assistants as his maidens. Therefore, our eyes have to always be looking to our spouse. How has the Lord formed our gaze of the mothers of the cross? Look at what he says to us. March 2nd, 2013. Watch me, gaze into the eyes of love, and I will be your strength to persevere in love. June 24th, 2016. Allow my gaze to immerse you in my pain and agony of love for souls, participating with your beloved spouse so that he is not alone. The hour has come. Remain with me. I bless you, my little one, with my gaze of divine love. God is always gazing at us. The silence of the eyes, the silence of the body, the silence of our heart has to bring us so that interiorly we're continuously gazing back at him. That is true silence. In 2017, words from Mary. It is a time of mourning, mourning for Jerusalem and the entire world. My son has not been contemplated hanging on the wood of the cross. 
His gaze of love has been ignored. His cry for Jerusalem has been ignored. That's what excessive television, computers, phones has done. It has taken the eyes and the attentiveness of an entire world away from him and to constant images. That is a lack of silence. We, as her maidens, cannot have to live the opposite. In 2021, he said, Jesus, you are feeling the weight of my sorrows for humanity. Love is not known. Love is not loved. I am the way to learn how to love according to God's will. If every soul kept their gaze on me as they suffer, they would learn how to love the way I have loved them. That is how we have been formed from heaven. Every suffering, whatever it may be that God permits in our lives, if we turn that gaze to Jesus in his suffering, takes us from being self-centered in our own suffering to being other-centered, meaning in Christ. If we persevere in trying to live this one sentence of Jesus Christ in his formation of us, every suffering, learning to just discipline our mind, discipline our eyes, Discipline our hearts to gaze back at him and see him in that suffering. The Lord promises us we will enter union with God. And then he summons us. Teach every soul how to gaze upon me in their suffering to encounter love. There is no other way to love me as I have loved you. Turn their gaze towards me, the suffering servant. So we have a responsibility with our children when they're suffering, with our husbands. Turn your gaze. When my husband went through a whole year of surgery in his knee and it didn't come out right. And every day I would tell him, Peter, in that pain, not being able to sleep, try to focus on Jesus. Try to focus on his legs. Try to focus on his knees. It was like, teaching him how to gaze at Jesus. So this is our responsibility as women. Okay. The custody of the ears. The ears is our sense of balance. The same is true spiritually speaking. We can be spiritually balanced or unbalanced according to the one to whom we give ear. Therefore, the word of God, the daily readings of the mass should be at the center. We should all be at attending mass daily, but if we can't, we should be reading the readings of the mass daily, even before we get to mass, listening to the word of God and also listening to his voice that's speaking to us. We have that responsibility in this community 
because that voice is forming us and we're called to bring what he has given us to others. That is what determines if you are called to be a mother of the cross in love crucified or not. In 2016, he said, do not be afraid to proclaim from the housetop the words I speak in the recesses of your heart. For those who have pure hearts will hear my voice and follow me, but the obstinate will perish. Why are any of you here? It's not because of me. It's because you read something in that path and those words in that path spoke to your heart. God was speaking to you. That voice was speaking to you and you heard it. And each of you responded to that voice. That's why you're here. You listened, you received, and you responded. The fall of man began when Eve gave ear to the tempter. Because she patiently listened to his lies, she became unbalanced and fell. In chapter four of the path, we enter the interior, the lies. This is extremely important for growth in silence. As long as those lies from our wounds continue in our hearts, we're listening to Satan. The lies is the voice of Satan. That is why in our formation, Coming to know the lies is crucial because it's coming to know who's speaking. The age of noise. This is what Satan has done. The age of noise, constant noise, so that there's no silence. So we have to be very careful what we listen to, what kind of music. And last of all, the custody of the sense of taste. Our Blessed Mother has been asking for fasting. Fasting has been part of the church from the beginning. And even before that, in the Old Testament, they fasted, right? Fasting is a way of spiritual growth. It's been with us always. It's important. The tyranny of cravings can give rise to many distractions that are a type of noise to the soul. St. Teresa of Avila wrote, For this body of ours has one fault. Listen carefully, what wisdom. The more you indulge it, the more things it discovers to be essential to it. The more we eat, the more we want to eat. The more we splurge on ourselves, the more we want things. The more we have, the more we want. That is our human nature. And the silence of our senses is beginning to mortify. It's work we have to do. We have to mortify these desires of our fallen nature. Cravings are a type of unrest, a lack of silence in our souls. To reduce the disturbances that our appetite for food and drink may cause us, it is helpful to moderate that appetite through self-restraint. Let me give you an example recently. 
the last time I was here, Juliana handed me a book. <laughs> and I had a sense, I'm supposed to take this. The whole book was on fasting as a way of life. And of course, it was a vanity in me that wanted to lose weight. <laughs> but the Lord used that, which had to be mortified, to also enter what God wanted for me. So I started to follow this to a certain point, And then I knew God was saying, that's it. You got what I wanted. But the first thing, it was a purification of my body so that I could enter a lifestyle of fasting which I felt is what God wanted. So first I had to eliminate to purify my body, all sweets. Now I am into sweets. I love chocolate. Many of you know, I could not have any fruit because it's a form of sugar. I was amazed of the cravings. I became aware because I wasn't so aware I have never really dieted in my life, but the Lord began to make me aware of my physical body, my appetites, how attached my body reacting when it wasn't having that sugar. And I had to go through the withdrawal stage. And then little by little, I started to eat less. And then I entered the 16-hour fast to enter a rhythm of life of fasting. And I'm amazed. I'm not telling you all to do this. I'm just sharing my experience of where I felt, especially as I was being invited to enter the cloister. Mary was forming me and is forming me to be her contemplative with her. And if I'm going to be now living in the cloister, I have to also learn how to eat correctly with Mary in the cloister. And that's what I felt she was teaching me. So I have now two meals a day with maybe a little snack. And you know what? All the cravings are gone. I'm not even hungry. It's so beautiful. And therefore there's less inside of me that's drawing me a distraction to hunger to eat more. All of that are distractions. The Lord is silencing all of me. I was amazed. I go, this is beautiful. Learning to live in the cloister. I love it. (laughs) It's so beautiful. I will leave you with these two things. Saint Jose Maria Escriba had something so practical That has given me a lot of thought when I eat. He said, the day you leave the table without having done some small mortification, you have eaten like a pagan. (laughs) (laughs) You generally eat more than you need. And that fullness, which often causes you physical heaviness and discomfort, benumbs your mind and renders you unfit to taste supernatural treasures. What wisdom. And then I'll end with the custody of the sense of touch. The more a person is given over to the pursuit of carnal pleasures, the blinder he is in the perception of spiritual goods. 
and the less likely he is to desire them. It is no coincidence that the more conveniences and comforts technology provides, the sins against chastity and religion grow. So as maidens of the cloister of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, we have to grow in the silence of all the senses. So we end this reflection in a prayer. Our Blessed Mother, thank you, our beloved Jesus. Thank you for teaching us how to mortify our senses. Thank you for inviting us into this union of silence with our God. Thank you for choosing us. Amen. Madre del silencio, madre de esperanza, madre del madre de la unidad. Luz en las tinieblas que intentan ahogarnos, el terror y el miedo se quieren aquel dragón. Furioso y rugiendo está, nos quiere devorar. Guíanos, señora, nos llegó la hora, tú eres la victoria contra las fuerzas del mal. Las conquistas